Hello and welcome to the Biz Design Enterprise Architecture Podcast. My name is Will Scott, and in these podcasts, we talk to leaders in the areas of enterprise architecture and how they and their teams deliver value to their organizations in advancing strategy, optimizing operations, or reducing and managing risks. Today, I speak with Eddie Walker. Eddie is with Ediford, a provider of consultancy, support, and training services for enterprise architecture teams and a partner of BizDesign, and he's based in the UK. As you'll hear, Eddie has a deep and rich background in enterprise architecture, working with EA teams in companies all over the world, and today he's going to take us over his top 10 tips for EA success based on those years of experience. So let's go to that interview now. So, Eddie, welcome to the session today. It's a pleasure to have you here. You and I have had a chance to talk a couple of times now. I think it'd be really good for our listeners if you could just give an introduction to yourself, what you do today, and a little bit of your background as well. I know you have a a rich background in the area of enterprise architecture. Okay. Hi, Will. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, Yes, so I'm Eddie Walker, and uh, I work for a company called Edifit. We're a business design partner, and we've been a partner for 10 years. Uh, we focus on enterprise architecture and architecture generally. So we do architecture uh, for our customers and our clients, but we try and do that in a model-driven way. So hence the relationship with biz design and really the use of biz design in most, if not all, of our engagements. Excellent. And how did you? How did? What's your background and your history? Where did you? How did you end up in this in this role? Uh, Good question. So, uh, well, I actually started as an engineer by training, um, but was always quite excited by IT as a discipline. So moved into that and I spent time as a developer uh, and then as a data architect and latterly more in the enterprise space. So I guess I've got that engineering discipline behind what I do, like things to be evidence-based and just a passion for IT, new technology and the way things change. So as they say here in the States, you've uh, you've been to a few rodeos in your time. Is that right? I'm afraid so. And I've fallen off quite a few horses. But, uh, well, we le- we keep getting back on. We, le- we learn so much when we fall off the horse, right? That's where we really get those learnings. So mm-hmm. I know you've been doing some work on your top 10 takeaways or tips for enterprise architects of how to be successful and impactful in the enterprise and uh, I thought it'd be good for us just to go through those and and uh, and uh, and hear what your insights are from your your deep experience in this space. Yeah, no problem at all. So I guess on them, I've put a modelling focus on it because obviously it seems more relevant to uh, your your audience. Uh, but I guess a lot of these takeaways, these learnings, apply equally to architecture as they do to modelling. So we'll try and talk about both as we go through. Okay. So what's number one on the list? Uh, and are these are these uh, are these in order, or are they just uh, just ten? I think they're kind of in an order. So um, you could maybe think of them as principles that you might want to apply when you're embarking on doing modelling as part of an architecture discipline. So, so yes, let's say there's an order to them, and okay. people may disagree. Sounds good. Let's let's go with number one then. Okay. So the first one um, is to prioritise, which is probably an obvious statement. But when we think about doing modeling, there is a tendency sometimes that we try and run in a thousand directions all at once. Uh, And we have to remember that we've got a tool there to serve or support an outcome. So prioritize them. And yes, be excited by all the things modeling can do and the tooling can do to help you. 
but try and make sure you're addressing those things in priority order to give value to the customer, to the stakeholder, whomever that may be. Um, don't be put off, I suppose, by the bells and whistles of the software. That would be the first takeaway. So tell us a little bit more about that bells and whistles. I think uh, your phrasing is, don't be like a kid in a sweet shop. Uh, watch out for the bells and whistles. What, what do you mean by that? Well, um, so if we look at um, business design, just as an example, um, there are lots of things we can do in there around portfolios and roadmaps, dashboards, analytics, et cetera. Um, so, and all of those things are great, and there'll probably be a use case for many of those in time. But don't be um, effectively a solution looking for a problem. Uh, make sure that you are offering a solution to a problem. So that would be the, the simple takeaway, I think. And I think, as you and I have talked before, there's always the danger of uh, being seduced into modeling to the atomic level, um, you know, modeling all the way down to the network interface card on the server. And certainly with our tool, uh, there's nothing to stop you from doing that. But what you're saying is ask yourself, why are you doing that um, before pursuing that path? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a takeaway on detail coming up a little bit later. But absolutely, we've got to make sure we are modeling the content that's relevant to the purpose or the outcome we change. Right. Well, let's let's get to number two on your list. Okay. So number two sort of follows simple uh, or common sense, I suppose, and it's keep it simple. Uh, and really by that, we mean when we think about the meta model, when we think about the way we're going to catalog, the views we create, what goes in the views, Ultimately, the deliverables that we produce and the overall method that we're following to get to those things, simple is always best. And if maybe you take a look and you've got a very simple approach, maybe it seems too simple, you're probably more or less on the right tracks. Um, you'll find the sophistication to the approach will come with time, will come with maturity, will come with experience. But don't make a complicated approach or a complicated model if actually what you need is very simple so again tailor to you know cut the cloth to suit the, the yeah. outcome that you're after i understand that and i think many times as enterprise architects we don't necessarily acknowledge the cost the soft cost of extending a model or or harnessing more data every time we extend the model and customize it or every time we we require additional data elements within that that all comes with a cost, a cost of management, a cost of thinking about it as well. So it sounds to me, keep it simple as a way to avoid those, those, you know, those, those very real, but albeit soft costs. Absolutely. I mean, remember, we're, we're trying to address a particular outcome, hopefully aligned to our prioritized list. So the model only needs to be as complicated as to derive an answer to the question and then more complicated than that. So we're off to a good start. Number one, prioritize. Number two, keep it simple. What's the third on your list there, Eddie? So the third really is just the natural progression to that. It's be consistent. So if we've got an approach we've uh, agreed is sensible and is just enough to get us to the answers we're after, don't allow randomness, basically. Make sure people follow that approach consistently because ultimately what we're trying to do is drive analysis from our models. And if we don't always use the same relationship, the same pathway from A to B to C, then actually the analysis becomes meaningless. And if we don't have meaningful analysis, 
we don't then easily get to facts and evidence that support our decision making. That makes so a lot. If you def- define an approach, stick with it, whatever you do. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, moving on to four. Okay, um, number four is about uh, language. Um, uh, the collective term for architects, I believe, is an argument. Um, we we have to be clear with our language and make sure it's language our stakeholders can understand. Um, Remember the benefit we're after here. So ultimately, it's the analysis, the evidence to support stakeholder decision making. That's what we're trying to achieve. But if the stakeholders don't understand what we're telling them, we're failing straight away. And this then isn't about educating them. Well, when we say this, this is what we mean. It's about you adjusting the way you talk about it to a way that they get. So uh, there's always that adage of, you know, good architecture is communication, communication, communication. Actually, for me, it's more good architecture starts with listening, listening, listening. We should be understanding the way the problem is being couched or presented, and we should be playing back a response in terms that will make sense to people. So lots of different ways to present it. You're going to get knocked over a few times. You'll get it wrong. But the more ways you have to present the data, eventually you'll strike upon the right one for the consumer. That makes a lot of sense. And I often observe that the challenge to enterprise architect, because enterprise architects do have their own, shall I say, secret language or specialized language, whether that's Archimedes or something else, is that's absolutely fine for the people who are experienced in that. But that, that, that specialized language has to be suppressed almost or simplified or or translated to the business stakeholder who has no need to understand that that language is that is that what you're saying absolutely and and there obviously will be stakeholders in in your organization your enterprise who want something a little bit more prescriptive a little bit more uh, detail uh, so where they're concerned give them the ability to self-serve where possible because they'll be competent and proficient in the languages uh, we're not, don't try and educate people who don't care about things like Archimate or BPMN or UML. Don't educate them in that. Give them a view that makes sense to them. That's right. That makes sense. So let's uh, just remind ourselves where we come from, prioritize, keep it simple, consistency, and use a language that your stakeholders can understand, which almost never is the specialized language that enterprise architects use, albeit very powerful, something that has to be suppressed or at least translated into understandable terms. Okay, great. We're, we're halfway through. What's number five on the list? Okay, so uh, number five is, um, is, I guess it's a congratulatory statement, but also a warning. And that would be, you're a data manager now. So we have to think about our modeling tools um, almost as like a repository that we're mining for information. So think of it like a mini data warehouse or a data mart. Uh, And we have to therefore be careful with the data that we have, its currency, its provenance, et cetera. Um, Remember that benefit. It's about evidence to support decision-making. Okay. So focus on maintaining that high-quality data and start to apply good information management or good data management techniques. Be clear on the sources of the data if you are not the master. uh, And be clear on the ownership or the stewards for that data, because invariably it probably isn't you. 
so we have to try and get that right level of federation and integration into the way we pull the data together to really make sure that the reports we present are built on solid data and have credibility. Okay. So is that is that a fairly, uh, can you give us insight here when we move beyond the tool to the people and the process side of the equation? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're dealing with people who manage the CMDB or the project and portfolio management system or the IT financial system, what's your view on or, or any tips there on how we all agree what is the system of record for what? Yeah, I, I we're, we've got a takeaway on this a little bit later on, but we'll just touch on it now. We're, we're in a a privileged position in doing what we do that we get to talk to and speak to lots of different stakeholders across the business. And I think we have to make sure we manage those relationships effectively because sometimes it can feel like land grab when we say we'd like that information and this information. So I I think in the majority of cases, um, we aren't the owners of the data. Uh, And we'll talk a little bit about where we are later. Uh, So where we're having those conversations with those stakeholders, let's be clear on why we want to use the data for how long. And let's set their minds at ease about actually the purpose is genuine and value adding. Hopefully they're a stakeholder who's going to benefit from that analysis, which makes the the engagement easier in the first place. But I like that concept is, you know, data management implies an activity. You have to manage the data. And so it connects back to that point we were making earlier on that, any data you bring in has to be managed. It doesn't come for free if you want to maintain the currency and the accuracy of it. Um, Correct, absolutely. And I, I think it's worth saying that if you can't guarantee its currency, its accuracy, generally, you shouldn't use it. Now, there are exceptions to that, which maybe we'll talk about in a moment. Sounds good. Okay, so on to number six. Okay, so segue in then. Uh, number six is hide the gory details. So you you touched on this a little bit earlier, Will. Um, we are at the beginning of our takeaways here, talking about prioritization, keeping it simple and being consistent. We'll find, despite having this aim to keep things simple, they will over time become more complicated. And they'll become more complicated, maybe simply as a function of the fact we've got more data in there. But equally, maybe our modeling approach and techniques become a little bit more sophisticated too. So what we might want to start to do there is think about layering in our models. So, um, And that layering might be to do with almost peeling the onion skin, if you like, so I can get some insight analysis at a very macro level without jumping into a much more detailed model, which may be... The data can't be as relied on as much. Maybe it's only got a shorter life cycle. Uh, So that layering becomes important. And I suppose we could think about a good example being a service-based approach to modeling. We may have the notion of our services. I don't know what they could be, like communication services, network services, application services in one sense. And we know they're connected. And at that layer, we can do analysis to say if this breaks, what's impacted. We may then almost go to a layer down to say, well, actually, how is that application constructed? And the connection between the service and the app, actually, that's quite loose. And and that's deliberate. It's almost like a layer of sponge in your sponge cake. I want to be able to slide the two things, but know they are connected. So if we can think about that concept, it keeps the gory detail away and only where it's relevant, maybe on change projects and detailed analysis, 
and it allows that wider macro analysis to happen at the higher level. That makes a lot of sense. Great. Okay, we're making book, good progress here. Uh, what's seven on the list? Okay, so we, we talked there about sort of layering and uh, sometimes having loose coupling between that. Um, we talked previously about data management. Um, takeaway number seven, really, for me, is it's all about the lines. So, and by that, what do I mean? Well, ultimately, models are just boxes and lines, right? And they're supposed to be a simplified view of the world to enable analysis and decision-making. We said in the data manager space that actually most of the boxes probably have owners, which mean we as architects are probably more interested in the lines. Nice. So get the lines right, and suddenly the insight jumps out. Um, we mentioned previously we're kind of privileged to be able to talk to all of these different domain areas, link it all together. The insight we bring is the linkages. It's not the domain expertise on any given area. So join the dots, you know, as, as is our strap line. Join the dots to get to the value. And so I've, I've heard it said before sometimes that whilst enterprise architects may not own the system of record for business processes or applications or servers or, or, or whatever projects, whatever it might be, they are the, the system of record for relationships which i think is another word for lines right i i sure. understand as an enterprise architect how these things are all connected together so if we're the system of record for anything it's the relationships between these uh disparate sort of i'd say data silos or, or practices does that, does that make sense i completely agree and for me there's kind of a rule of three to this um if i'm interested in the way processes and systems work together well yeah modeling can help with that but candidly you probably don't need a model to do it. If it's uh, modeling and support or change activity and applications, then suddenly you've kind of got three vectors to that. And that's where the modeling becomes truly powerful because it's suddenly more things than we can hold in our head or in a spreadsheet at any point in time. I got it. Okay, so let's just remind ourselves, for those listening along here, we're up to number seven. So number one, prioritize. Two, keep it simple. Three, consistency. Four, language your stakeholders can understand. Five, remember that you're now a data manager and data has to be managed. Three, hide those gory details. Uh, uh, sorry, that was number six, hide the gory details. And number seven, it's all about the lines uh, or the relationships or the connections, whatever whatever, whatever word uh, suits you. So we're in the back stretch here, Eddie. Let's take go on to number eight. Yes, I think we've talked there really, as you've just summarized about what we're modeling and why we're doing it. Uh, I think then a key takeaway, you know, having worked with you guys for 10 years or more and, and in this space generally, it's make modeling part of the job and not a job in its own right. So it's more how do we make this stick? Um, and I think there we're trying to prioritize the things we're doing because that was objective number one. But if we're adding the modeling activity as an add-on to the requirements of our existing people and their jobs, we're probably not going to succeed. The things that they should be modeling should be the things that they're having to do anyway. And the whole point of modeling is to make their lives ultimately easier. So 
making modeling part of the job doesn't mean adding modeling as an extra line in the job description. It's about thinking about how they can do what they currently do in a slightly different manner to leverage the models. So it should be integrated and leverage what they already do, not some ad hoc, yet another job that Eddie's asking me to do here that I've already got a busy week. And presumably that's where you start getting, you know, pushback and and, and things like that. Well, exactly. I mean, and, you know, I've been privileged to work on some incredibly successful modeling activities. And of course, there are some that don't go so well. And I think it's where we don't manage that change in terms of how we do things so we can maximize the use of models that things can become in stock. So you don't want to have those conversations where they're going, well, we're not getting value. Well, maybe we're not doing the right things because the value should be evident, I think. Gotcha. Okay, number nine. Okay, Um, everything changes, so adapt quickly, I think would be number nine. Uh, And this is the truism that I think sometimes, you know, creating a model of something is a bit like nailing jelly to the wall. Um, So this is why that prioritization, simplicity, consistency really become important. Because when the direction changes and where we thought we were going is suddenly different, it's easy for us to reorientate if we follow those basic rules. Um, So don't worry about planning where you're going to be in three years or five years. You may never get there. Make sensible decisions now. Change as you go. And maybe I'll give you an example of that, just a pure modeling one. We may start by linking our apps to our processes because we want to understand, well, which apps support which parts of the business operation. Um, We may then go, well, we're going through a rationalization activity on our app estate. So really, I want to understand what is the functionality of the app that supports the process. So suddenly, then we've got to insert an extra point of articulation in our model the service, the function, whatever it may be. If we've been consistent from the outset, then our ability to adapt and change is relatively easy to do. Now, uh, you know, the point you make here is an interesting one. Everything changes all the time, constantly in flux. Um, Does that mean it's futile to try and pursue the absolute perfect model? I'm struck by the famous quote, um, all models are wrong, some are useful. Is that is that something that we just have to acknowledge? Look, I'm never going to get a perfect snapshot of what the enterprise looks like, and I accept that. Like, what's your views on that sort of approach? Yeah, I, I think for me it's that that description of what a model is in the first place. Uh, and I know there are, are many uh, descriptions that you might refer to. For me, the one I always go to is it's a simplified description of a system to assist calculation and prediction. So here we've talked all the way through about, well, what are we trying to achieve? And what's the easiest way for us to create a model that fulfills it? We aren't trying to create an absolute replica of reality because that's just too big an elephant to eat. What we're trying to do is say, well, what's the minimum thing we can get away with that helps us answer questions we're currently unable to answer? So, yeah, the, the perfect model doesn't exist. And they all ultimately age and will need to be evergreened. I got it. And and it's it's actually sometimes counter. I'm also an engineer by education as well. It's sometimes counter to what we've been taught that we if we can, then we should. So surely with enough effort, with enough perseverance, with enough sweat, I can create that perfect 
digital twin of the organization? And you might acknowledge, yes, you could, but ask yourself is, should you be doing that? Like it strikes me that it's an easy trap to fall into as an intellectual exercise to try and model the enterprise perfectly, but we've got reality to deal with as well, right? We've got people who don't have time to wait around for that perfect digital twin. Yeah, I think maybe that's the gory details piece again, because the digital twin at some abstract sense should reflect the reality. Um, but if, I mean, so I've worked on these things in automotive and uh, in sort of uh, water and did some interesting stuff now around smart cities. You don't have one model that encompasses all of that detail. You may have a generic thing and maybe a slightly different model for how you're dealing with, I don't know, warnings about maintenance issues on a vehicle from how you might deal with the twin or the replica, how you deliver entertainment to the to the driver. So there's not one model. There's lots of connected things and they're all just as complicated as they need to be and absolutely no more. I like that. So make them as complicated as they need to be, as elaborate as they need to be, not as elaborate, elaborate or complicated as they could be. Exactly. Okay, there and there. Um, okay, so we're at the end of our list. Number 10, what's your final words of wisdom? Well, number 10. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, we're doing this because we've been working with you guys for 10 years now. And like us, you'll have been fortunate to work in many different places talking in many different industry sectors with many different types of stakeholders. Um, so we're kind of privileged to do what we do. We get an insight into things that maybe many other people don't get. So the takeaway is simple. It's, it's enjoy the journey. Um, but try and be humble with that because, you know, ultimately you're invariably talking to people who know their domains far better than you do. You've just crucially often got that third piece of information they don't have and it's that third piece that really brings the value from what architecture can offer to an enterprise and therefore the value that modeling can offer to architecture as well i got it and um my observation is you know when i often ask people on these these uh, sessions as you look at the transformational journey of implementing enterprise architecture as a discipline across three vectors of people, process, and tools, which is the most challenging? And the answer is never tools. That's not the, 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 the inst- installation and configuration of the repository and the software is not the challenges. But I won't, I won't lead the witness. What's the biggest challenge in your experience across those three, those three categories? Well, yeah, um, you know the answer. I think we all know the answer. I, Before I worked in modeling and I was doing uh, development work uh, and then maybe in sort of COTS deployments and uh, implementations too, it's managing change is the hard thing. And yes, invariably that's a people thing, but ultimately communication and listening are key to anything that we do. And if we aren't listening and taking on board the concerns, reacting and responding, we aren't going to succeed. And modeling as a microcosm of one type of tool you can implement in an organization is no different to any other one. Manage the change, understand the resistance, make sure it's addressing a problem, not looking to effectively find a problem. That's what, that's what we need to aim for. 
Fantastic. So let's just summarize those top 10. Do you want to go through the the, the, the list of 10? Just give me the line items on them really quickly for those listening. Yeah, no worries. So number one, prioritize. Do the right things in the right order at the right time. Manage a backlog. Two, keep it simple. And having kept it simple, three, be consistent and follow the approach you've set. Communicate to your stakeholders in the right language is four. Remember, it's about managing data and you are assuming some responsibility for that, even if it's just the lines, is five. Hide the gory details, so get that separation in, is six. Number seven, all about the lines we've talked about. Eight, make the modeling activity part of the day job, not something else that needs to be done. Nine, everything changes. Not the Delamitri album, everything changes. So be there and be ready to adapt. And enjoy it because it's an amazing job to do. Fantastic. Eddie, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I think that's a great list and uh, I hope our listeners really enjoyed that. So I'd like to take a moment just to thank you for putting the thought into this and crystallizing all the experience and knowledge you've gained over the time. And I look forward to having you back on a podcast soon where we can talk more um, about your organization and, and, and what it does to help enterprises transform themselves. But Eddie, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Well, It's been a pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that session. It was certainly very informative to hear Eddie take us over his top 10 tips that he has gained over his long career in working with EA teams. For more podcasts, blogs, and recorded webinars, please visit us at businessign.com, where there is a wealth of information available. And if you'd like to tell your EA story and feature on this podcast, then please email me, Will Scott, at podcast at bizdesign.com. Bizdesign is a leader in the area of enterprise architecture software and supports enterprise architecture teams in delivering value to their organizations with a key focus on the value outcomes of strategy advancement, operational efficiency, and reducing risk. Thanks for your time today.